Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Dubai Stars. I have very interesting guest today, Mr. Hassan Tamimi, uh, founder, co-founder. Co-founder, yes. Co-founder. <laughs> I'll let the introduction for yourself. Great, thank you. Well, my name is Hassan. Thank you very much for the opportunity It's a pleasure as well. having you here. Uh, my name is Hassan. I'm the co-founder of The Little Things, which is a collectible novelty figurines pop culture store. Um, we're one of many in the Middle East, I would say, and uh, we, we've we've been one of the pioneers in the market as well. We're starting it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much me. Uh, that's a very humble introduction. <laughs> There's way more into that. Uh, basically, I just get to meet you, but we have been your clients for a very long time. I heard, and I'm very, yeah, thank you very and much. We have you. very big collections at Great. the house, and we are hoping these collections one day is going to be. Uh, very limited to, to to get it and it's gonna explode in prices so always before we'd like to get to know the childhood the background so take us way back there and let's see how okay, you became so this great. person you are today. I was born in Canada yeah. um, I'm currently 25 years old uh, young so I started at a very young age I would say uh, as It's a family business. We're third generation down in the family. It wasn't that easy for me not to be a part of the business. It was always in my blood to be a part of it. And, yeah. Uh, the family business is kitchenware. Uh, we've done that for over three decades. Uh, and my grandfather started it. My father came in. So when my grandfather was alive, um, I wasn't really, I was still a child at that time. So I wasn't really involved. I got involved later on when my father put me into it. And was pretty much just doing admin stuff in the office. And then from admin stuff, I got an opportunity to open retail and retail got me exploring different worlds and that took me to the little things. Which, which year was that? That was in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so you graduated from university? I was still studying. Oh, you were still studying? I was studying. still studying okay. at that time. So after I finished, well, I was still studying and I had this opportunity. Mm -hmm. My dad wanted to go into retail. I didn't really like the kitchenware business as much. It wasn't a fascinating. It's not that exciting. Yeah. I mean, it was nice, but uh, it wasn't <laughs> getting me. I mean, uh, I was always bringing experience. I started my own concept. It was called Daddy Home. Mm -hmm. um, we started in, where did we start? In Wassel Square. We opened in Mercato Mall. We then opened in Dubai Mall. Kept the, the business was running for a good seven years. But in between, I also started little things, which diverted all my attention to it and then there you started to slowly uh, uh, I would say the retail side of Where it Where did you get the name from? The Little Dari? Things? It's like Little Things okay. Yeah So it, we always believe that as a collector it doesn't start when you grow up or when you graduate when you get a job it starts from being little mm. little things in life you know yeah. I'm sure you collected Lego you collected Everything. something what, what was something you collected? I did the Legos. Uh, I also did lots of cards. Uh, believe it or not, I still have most of the games that we used to use on Nintendo. You remember those yes. cassettes like that? I still have them home. Still have all of this so stuff. So there you go. It's collections yeah. start little and yeah, then they yeah, grow. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we called the company or the brand Little Things because we always believe that we focus on those little collections that, mm -hmm. that we want to grow to become a big collection. So we're little things trying to do big things. Yeah. But then we, we, we like to keep the name humble and we don't like to actually explode it into like a more uh, gaming game mm -hmm. or a name or more of a otaku name, for example. We want to focus on something where people can connect in a very basic, humble uh, manner, I would say. 
So that's where the name came from. Okay. Um, and we always say that little things do big things. So that's the slogan and unlocking different worlds. That's I love a, it. Yeah. Actually, that's that's right. Like everything big started from very humble beginnings. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So you were doing the kitchen stuff. You were not really into it. And then... Not at all. So how I, I grew <laughs> it. I got. I went into a lot of exhibitions. I went into Oman. I went into Abu Dhabi. Different countries. I did a lot in Dubai. It was fun. I was I was generating a good revenue for for the business, but it was something that, you know, it was just repetitive. So there was nothing new. It was always mm. air fryers, knives, cookware. That that it's was not the something you jump out of bed every morning. And exactly, like, I'm do it. Yeah. exactly. I mean, even when I visit exhibitions, they're so boring. It's always the same pot, same pan, just different color, and you know, small changes, but didn't really excite <laughs> me. Um, I slowly went into novelty, so I took okay. little things. Um, from my father, which was more of a decorative home, uh, antique crystals, stuff like that. Uh, I took that, and of course, that's again old school for me. We're in the modern day. We're in the 21st century. We should we should upgrade the business. And I went into toys, collectibles, novelties. Very interested to know how did you get into this? Like, why did you get how into did I toys? Change? Yeah, why did you get into toys? Why you pick toys specifically? Was it still the child in you? Was so, it- I was never a big fan of anime or uh, Marvel, DC. It wasn't really yeah, my, yeah. my nature. But when I was in school, the, the kids, my classmates, they were always like sitting there watching on their phones. They were so into it. I mean, bags, pencil cases, books, just with the prints. And I saw a big opportunity just from that, you know, where someone that doesn't really uh, spend or work yet already is interested and, and not only that his elder brother for example was into it as well so when I went to his house he had a whole wall full of statues and it was you know what's going on you know mm. it's, it's, it's a market that's not entertained here in the Middle East and it wasn't so there was gaming stores that were selling playstations xboxes computer games etc but when it came to collectibles it didn't exist so everyone yeah. was either importing or you would drive over to Dragon Mart and you would find some fake ones there mm-hmm. so <laughs> it, was, it was either or um, so that's where we, I saw that opportunity and why I went after the collectible business. But then toys was something that I wanted to make a boutique store. So in Dubai, there was Hamley's, Toys R Us, a uh, toy store at that time that was there. They were, magi- um, they were giant stores that actually had a full collection of toys. But then there was nothing that was a boutique, one-stop, quick shop, yeah. fast-moving, demo, and customer-oriented stores. They were more pushing the product through shelf, just the regular toy store experience. But when I went to Europe, for example, and I saw stores that were more boutique toy stores, that's where I got the interest of toys as well. So my whole concept was to bring collectors, but at the same time, while collectors are there, I'll also have novelties. So for the parents that go like, what, what does my kid watch? And so I have something for them, so I can actually distract the parents as well while the yeah, kid yeah, is shopping yeah, yeah. for, for that himself. Is <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was pretty much, so to have the one-stop one stop shop, but having the full range that would entertain someone from a kid all the way to the adult. So I was thinking of a family walking in, there would be a five-year-old, there would be a 25-year-old, there would be a mother and a father, entertain the mother, father, entertain the child, and entertain that 25-year-old. So you that have was even you're serving guys coffee now, and you yes. have lots of stuff. And so I was so surprised that Blue Waters is your branch. Yeah. <laughs> so we developed that business from the, the physical toys or the physical products also to uh, experience. So even in Blue Waters, if you go, um, you can sit and enjoy board games, PlayStation, Xbox, uh, a chat, whatever you want to do, but 
don't just, I mean, our whole concept was we didn't want to have a coffee shop just to make money out of it, but to give an experience, yeah, yeah, to yeah, continue yeah. the experience of uh, an ultimate pop culture store. So let's talk about uh, Dubai. Uh, what was the first branch? Dubai, so the first branch that was before me was Burjaman. And okay. that was there for about a few years, actually. Um, and that was more of uh, collective, uh, household collectibles. Yeah. In 2008, when Dubai Mall opened their doors, that's when we got that location. We've been in that location ever since. And Ages, right? 15 that's years, our flagship. Years, yeah. yeah. We have more updated looks now. I mean, that's a very old design that we have there, but it's the flagship. It's, it's the one that we're never going to leave. It's, it's, it's there for life. Yeah, <laughs> so. I'm sure. And even the one that you have in Mall of Emirates really stands out. Like you have like kind of uh, corner. Yes. So yeah. we're right next to Hamley's in Malta Emirates. That's the, actually the most recent one. We opened it in 2021, okay. uh, right at the end of it, which was November. That was the last one that we opened. And we have many more in the pipeline coming up. Uh, yeah, you're also in City Walk, no? No, we're not in City Walk. Okay. So we're in Blue Waters. So this is coming soon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're in Blue Waters, Mall of the Emirates, uh, Dubai Mall, Mercato Mall. So Dubai Mall, we have two branches. Uh, Dubai Mall, Mercato Mall, and we have one in Abu Dhabi as well. Okay. Yep. Um, 25 years old crazy life ahead i can feel it i can i can spot talents and i can see passion you're super passionate about it tell us what's in the pipeline where you're heading as a human being evolving from a corporate life from a personal life from everything if you don't mind sharing on the camera. so about me yeah um right now it's pretty much looking at expanding little things, but at the same time, we're starting new businesses on the side just to grow it. Um, something that we started early in 2013-14 was Jazeel Distribution, um, which is taking brands that we sell in little things. Uh, I would say 50% of it is actually Jazeel. Um, we, we bring it in and we distribute it to the Middle East um, and we cover the whole GCC and uh, Northern Africa, so Egypt, etc. We have brands like Bandai, which is a very, it's a giant uh, Japanese brand. Um, we have Mega House, Good Smile. These are all brands that we take under distribution and we grow that. So one of my goals is to grow my distribution lines and collectibles. Um, and then another one would be focusing on little things and franchising it into the GCC. Because for me, operations is a whole different thing. I mean, investment is one thing, but operations is another. And I'd rather invest in, in the brand and building it through franchises. And that's what we've, we've already secured a few deals, uh, thank God, and we're, we're growing that. Have you expanded the GCC like so by Saudi, having actual branches? So Saudi is very soon. It's around. Okay. It's in the final pipeline to, to open, actually. Congratulations, thank you my bro. <laughs> so we have a few branches opening in Saudi very soon. Um, we have Egypt coming up as well. We're looking at Qatar. We're finalizing a deal there. And uh, we're starting conversation on, on a store in uh, Kuwait as well. So okay, so those are the that's mainly the most, uh, the, the main GCC yes. countries. So yes. we can say coming soon, everything is coming soon. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Congratulations for that. Tell me now, how is it like to, it's a family business. People listen, I guess a family business, it's easy, you know, it's like, these guys get along very well, but tell us the actual truth. How is it to work with family, family business? Ah, very interesting topic. It's never easy, I'll say that. Um, we're third generation family business. So your father is still uh, running the show so as a CEO? My father is semi-retired at this okay. stage. He comes to the office sometimes, <laughs> but it's just because it's in our, our blood. You know, we can't, and stay we at can't home stop. After the, all of this. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the, the rule is until you, you're out, you're out. You know, you continue. 
Um, so we're third generation family business. It's never easy. It's never easy at all. Um, uh, I would always say there's challenges, but there's always ways around those challenges. Mm -hmm. And it's about finding that niche, finding the specialty of every person and making sure we maximize on that. Um, at the end of the day, in a family business, not everyone can do everything. And I think that's something everyone that wants to get into a family business needs to understand. Uh, it's it's just a matter of believing, yes, I mean, family is always family, but taking it one step further is you need to understand there is capabilities, there is limitations. I would say family business, if you want to get your brothers, sisters, siblings, even daughters or sons involved, let them go experience the outside world before they come into the family business. It actually helps a lot because now they're developing their character exactly. making mistakes without being worried of making because exactly. i'm sure it's different to make uh, it's easier to make mistakes outside than to make it with the family as well 100 percent. yeah um that's one thing and then another would be focusing on giving that person a, a position that they can handle not everyone in the family can take the management or the, the highest role in the family you know some people need other positions so you opening up those positions allowing them to grow from there would be something important in a family business All right. and patience of course that's that's the most important one in family business <laughs> <laughs> what was uh, the brightest moment you had so far I mean like it's been a very uh, say short career I'm telling you you're still 25 you're gonna be doing crazy stuff but since you started at, at until date what was this moment where they were like yes I made it I'm proofing a point to my father or to my brother or to my sister. What was that moment that you're really proud of? Very good question. That's a, I mean, there's a lot of small wins, I would say. Yeah. I wouldn't call them small, I'd call them fairly big as well. Um, but of course, whenever you achieve in a family business, it's never enough. You know, you'll never, I never had my father come to me, pat me on the back and, and say, it will never happen. well done, and it will never happen. happen. But he's going to tell everyone around you that he's super proud of and you, but he will never say it to your face. Luckily, I it. hear it from people around me, yeah, but yeah, from yeah, him. Yeah, 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 you will never hear it. I'm telling you, yes. you will never hear it. I, I guarantee you, he will never tell you great job. Yes. And I mean, I always know when my father doesn't comment, that's when I'm doing a good job. Yeah. When he comments, you know you did something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say the greatest moment was when I opened the last branch, actually. You know, it opened... There was a, very, a big challenge in it? It was a very big challenge. Okay. You know, we had very small time. Um, I was late on a lot of aspects, but then I recovered it and I, I opened it without any, any delays as well. Um, so I think when we went for that opening, when he went for that ribbon cutting, that that moment really felt a lot like uh, like you you've had a big yeah. achievement so i would say that yeah, usually when you do a, a branch like what are the usual obstacles that you go through because i have no idea about it i'm not gonna jump in this <laughs> field at all but i just out of curiosity so i would say the majors would be first negotiation on price on the, the location and getting a good deal out of it that's that's one of the hardest when you do a deal usually it's a three years contract at least it's five between years. three to five okay yeah, it depends on the mall it depends yeah. on the terms of the mall so yeah i would say so that if you say like you get it more years would this help you with the prices sometimes or? but it also puts you at risk as well so okay. if, if that location doesn't perform yeah know, so big trouble for it if, if it doesn't and you cannot break your lease easily getting out and, uh, or it's a hefty fine it, it's not only a fine getting back money is nearly impossible yeah and, i'm sure uh, i mean working with malls it isn't easy but i understand it at the same time if they make it easy you'll get a lot of people opening and closing 
Um, but yes, malls aren't easy to deal with. Getting out of a contract out of a mall isn't like getting out of a one off a street store. So it's, it's difficult there. Making sure you don't make mistakes on those is not that easy yeah, as well. That's the first obstacle. Second. The second one, contracting. I okay. mean, you always say hire a good contractor, you won't have this hassle, but I believe all contractors are equal in a way. I mean, you get some that ease some parts of it, yes, but dealing with contractors, every single detail of a process, it's not easy. I mean, there's a huge challenge there. Most of you, them, they're always behind on the fit outs. Uh, we promise usually, you one month, it goes usually, two to three months. Exactly. And for some reason. Yeah. Exactly. So I would say that's the biggest hassle that we have. These two are the biggest obstacles. Um, we don't get enough time at the end, but then to push it together, you get your hands dirty and stuff happens. So uh, many times you have to get your hands dirty and then things do happen. So Dubai is like that. I mean, we've I, seen I am into the contracting. Yes. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. We, we face the same stuff. So what I do usually, whatever as a price they will ask, I say no problem. I'm going to pay you another 15% extra if you deliver on time. If you don't, I'm not paying anything. So I put them in, in a way under the gun. It's like, if you're really legit, I'm going to pay you more. But rest of that, prove me that you're the actual one. Yeah, but it doesn't work most of the I, time. I, I agree. That's yeah. a great way to work. But yeah. then I don't see a lot of people agree <laughs> yeah, on such no, things. I still have two or three, which are cool. Okay, that. Great. I will share the numbers. Please, Maybe please. we can benefit it, from it. Might <laughs> Tell me, what was your biggest regret so far? I don't think I would call it a regret. Biggest mistake. I Biggest lesson so far. Lesson, yeah, that's mm. the right word for yeah. it. Um, I would say take things easy. You know, sometimes don't rush it, but some Just want to do everything in the same exactly, time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Take things easy. Do it one step at a time. Let, let the process flow in. Uh, I've realized with rushing things, sometimes we take the shortcuts, but then we end up with a big, big, big hassle on top of it. So... Uh, take things easy. Things do happen, but you just need to plan it properly and make sure you're on top of the game. You know, don't uh, micromanaging is that the last thing I believe in. But then at the same time, understanding the whole process, being a part of the process is more important. Uh, just being aware of what's happening and where you are on the project is, is very, very important. Uh, that's what I would say. And so now, if I meet few of your employees and say, "How is Mr. Tamimi like?" What would be their answer? Well, I, I, I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> but uh, it, with Altanan, we really believe to have a very strong relationship. So every single employee that I have, I have a very strong relationship. Is with it them. kind of like the corporate? Is it kind of like more into the family business? Is we're it kind of business. like, yeah, we, we're, we're friends, we're growing together. How would they feel towards you? So as, as my father always taught me, there's no difference between an owner and an employee. We're equal, we're yeah. all human at the end. And with that mindset, we, we grew. So everyone has that personal relationship. Uh, there's no difference between levels. I mean, it's either you respect what we have as policies and we work together or you're not a fit to our culture. Um, we, we believe in that family. So in, in a family, it's not about letting someone go. So letting someone go in our culture is not, I mean, in our family, in our business culture isn't, isn't there. But unless you actually hurt the family business, no. yeah. that's when we say goodbye. Or if someone has a bigger opportunity in a different of course, place, and we then they're going to wish them best of luck. Something definitely. that we do with all our employees is yeah. we, we, we plan their goals. I mean, at the end of the day, we know that no employee will stay with us forever. Eventually, one day they will leave us. And they're going to open their own. 
they might open, they might go to another country, oh, really? they might okay. even retire. Yeah. So it might be anything. Yeah. Uh, so we always believe in letting them know that there is a future. It's not only work, 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 go home. That's How it many employees you have? We're over 100 right now. Wow. That's a lot to manage. Yeah. It's a lot. But it's, it's fun. I always say it's fun. I mean, you always have challenges. Employees is one of the hardest things. But you know, uh, like the way I say it here, I have 50 and I say I have every I have a potential of a 50 problem coming every day true. because in a way like whatever they go through in their life, they're going to come to you. You're like the godfather or you're like this image that's like you always have answer. And which most of the time I don't have an answer. But you know what? Tell me what's your problem. I might have a way or do to fix it for you and carry on. Just keep focusing on the job. Don't let anything happen as a distraction. Tell me something, with all of the blockchain coming, with all of these NFTs coming, would we see you in that space? So we wanted to explore that space because there are some of our suppliers that are, have already started exploring it. Um, it's very, I would say challenging. A lot of people find it easy, uh, but to fully understand NFTs, to fully understand that world, that metaverse, it, it's going to take time. Um, Early adapting, there's some people that are just trying to get into it, but then don't really know the, the, the benefits or some people don't even know what, what it is and they're getting into it and I'm surprised. Mm. Um, I would say we, we take it slow. We have our eyes on it. Yes, it, it's in our um, it's on our board, but it's not something that I would say will happen in the next year or so. We should. Don't, don't miss out on it. <laughs> Let me tell you something. So it's like, let's keep it simple and let's see how it's going to become. So before, if you wanted to play a Nintendo or a Sega or an Atari or whatever it is, PlayStation, whatever it is, you just like buy this game. You can pick any character and you play. Today, you have the right to be owning this character and every person playing, using that character, you will be getting royalty, which is mental. Imagine how many gamers that are out there. And just like two or three days back, I had a guest from the eSports. And the numbers that he was showing to me at these tournaments where they're playing, these young kids making 8 million euros, 10 million euros per quarter, it was like mental. So this is what I'm planning As an industry is really booming. Now being in the metaverse, it's making it way easier. Imagine like I'm a player in Dubai. There's another player, let's say, in France. There's another player in Poland, in his basement. There's another player, I don't know, in Australia. And we're all competing each other towards getting this prize, which is an actual money. Whether it's a USDT or it's an NFT or whatever, end of the day, it's something that you can cash it out and make money out of it. So it's just a huge space. Like, people still don't understand how big it is. Like, for them, it's like... Mm. <laughs> See, I, I totally get it. Um, but at the end of the day, I also believe that nothing replaces the physical product. Nothing represents uh, or can replace it. You know, at the end of the day, a tree is always going to be a tree. Even yeah. if you can find one on, online, yeah, 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 yeah. a tree will be a tree that you well, can It's not going to smell the same. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I, I believe in the physical. It's, it's more, uh, I would say, real. Of course, trends are always there. And I work in a business that's full of trends. And I, I believe... NFTs is a trend technically. Mm. It's trending now, it might not trend. Just like products that I bring in, it's uh, once, like for example, Pokemon cards right now. It's highly demanded. You'll barely find stock anywhere you go. Um, Are you collected yourself? I don't collect as much, but what I have my office collection. <laughs> <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> so, so tell us what made these Pokemon cards explode? They existed, I don't know, from 
80s, 90s? Yeah. The, what what made them expose so far? Is it the lack of people reaching out to those? Like, is it uh, undersupplied or what, what made it explode? So what Pokemon cards is? It's it's trading card. It's a trading card game. That's that's the whole purpose behind Pokemon mm. cards. It's not about collecting them. It's more about playing with them and trading them between friends. So what we have in Mercato, for example, is we have weekly tournaments where people come, kids, adults. We have some very old people as well coming in. They play cards and they exchange. <laughs> and that's the whole purpose behind Pokemon cards. But then uh, recently there was a purchase in Dubai actually from Logan Paul where he, he bought a Pokemon card. I think it was worth, uh, how much was it? 13 million, 14 exactly. million, something like that. And he purchased it. And from there, people thought, well, it's a, something that's going to trend like crazy. You know, maybe I'll get a card like he has and I'll sell it too. So they continued buying and people still buy until today. And it's never going to end. I feel this trend is just upgoing and it never stops. In your opinion, what can be a potential second Pokemon card? If I want to enter this space today and I want to start investing, because for me, I see that as investing. Are we talking about cards or products? cars, products, whatever. Give me like uh, insider information, like what can be something which can potentially explode in five years, 10 years, 20 years. And if it doesn't explode, I'm not going to hold you accountable for it. <laughs> I'm just telling you, give me some insider because you know more, more than me in this space. Well, it's a very tricky question because anything, uh, a collecting a collector piece, like uh, if we're talking about like uh, a Chumi statue or a Funko, which is something that mm. you said your wife uh, collects, they they don't really how do I say it? They get vaulted. So some are limited numbers. Anything that's limited after they get sold out, they start skyrocketing in price. So for example, we had a Natsu statue, which was the size of the table, goes up to the size of the tree. Um, it was selling for two sorry seven thousand two hundred and ninety nine dirhams. That was the retail price. If you go on eBay today, it will be around thirty five thousand dirhams. Oh, so. And that's going to go high because that's it. Once they produce, it's done. There's no more coming after it. It's out of 999 pieces worldwide. Um, we sold out in less than 24 hours. What was the price of this crazy Hulk you have in front of that store in Blue Water? So every it, time I pass, I see it. I'm like, that's crazy. I believe it's 42,000 dirhams. 42,000 dirhams. we sold around 10 pieces in the, in the UAE already. And it's like very accessible. Anyone can buy it. You just Anybody submit the order? It. Yes. And we'll okay. deliver it. And install it for you. <laughs> so imagine putting here in the office this man. And crazy people do hard. it. So we've we've delivered it to offices. We've delivered it to coffee shops. We've delivered it to houses. So we have uh, customers that have full house, like a garage full of statues, life size statues. So if you go to Mercato, you'll see a whole lot of characters as well. we have Shazam. We have Harry Potter. We have anything that reminds you, you know, of recreate your childhood. That's that's what we're all about. Crazy world. Yes. 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 Um, even though uh, it's a family business, I know nothing was handed to you easy. And maybe you had double the pressure because you needed to prove yourself and you needed to prove it to your family as well. What was the age when you discovered your entrepreneurial spirit? I would say five. everyone starts when they're born. Because you, I mean, as a, as a child, you cry and you, you ask for milk, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you yeah. say you're hungry. And it's about how precise you are with your crying, for example, that, that will get you what you want. How convincing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I would say my whole childhood, I was always getting what I want. I, until now, I still get whatever I want. And it's hard, but I always have ways to reword or represent the this, this situation. So I, I don't believe in failing. 
I believe in retrying over and over again until I get the outcome that I was looking for. So sometimes it's not the easy way. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of bridges you need to uh, cross before you get to where you want to get. But then there's always that that goal, the end goal that you should have in mind. And that, that's what matters, I would say. Focus on the outcome that you want. And there's a hundred ways to get to that outcome. So you just need to find that way. That, that would be key. You could always have been taking the safe route by being this nine to six employee. And you didn't even need to kill yourself by, by working 15 hours, 18 hours, 20 hours. There is something that's within you that pushed you to be on this path. Can you tell us more about it? So I think in being a part of a family business, it's always about proving your, yourself to your family. To who? So it was always my dad. Okay. My dad would always, I mean, I, I'm sure your father would always do the same as well. He would always push you to your limits. And yeah. Nothing is enough. I, I think my dad never found a limit in me. He was like continuous and I, I'm always thankful to that because he always supports the thoughts. He always supports the ideas that I have and, and how I want to achieve it. So going back to the question, I'm, it wasn't easy, but it's always something that you need to plan and achieve, I would say. It, it's more of a plan and achieve. If it was easy, everyone would have done it. Exactly. That's the beauty of exactly. it. You know, that the harder it gets, is like when you you finally make it. That's the rewarding part. It's not the money. It's not the life. It's just like exactly. the, it's self fulfillment. Like yes, I made. And, and it. for me, it was always the easy stuff was always boring for me. Like if I knew that one plus one equals two. Well, what's the point of me challenging myself there? It was always give me something that's challenging. Tell me I can't do it, and that's when I will do it. But tell me I can do it, and that's easy. I know I can do it. I mean, I, I don't need to prove myself. You know, it's easy now. It's just a matter of always challenging myself. You know, people always tell me you can't do this, but I proved to them that I can. You know, there was a Mall of the Emirates store. We were 24 hours before the deadline of opening, and I remember my colleague came to me and he told me. <laughs> Over my dead body, you'll open the store tomorrow morning. <laughs> you don't even have the approval to open it. Yeah. And by that time, I didn't even have civil defense that came to my store and then audited it. Um, but, you know, we made it happen. You have your ways. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I didn't even know the outcome. But then I was like, I try until the last minute. If I didn't achieve it, well, I learned from my lesson and I achieve it the next time. And if I do, well, I do. And, and if you push hard enough, there are ways that you can achieve things. I mean, uh, always push to what you want to achieve. And I always tell my staff this as well. Uh, if you want a salary increase, you have to push for it. If you want to earn it. get that, uh, it's not really earn it. It would be push more because you have to convince me on why you need it. You exactly. Why I'm saying that like, basically once you pay someone a salary, they're trading their time exactly for and the effort for this money. So now let's say you take 10. If you want to take 15, Earn the 15. 100%. Show me that this hour is way more valuable that 100%. you are giving to me. And if they give you enough reason, I'm sure you're going to give it to them. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's my, my rule. I mean, don't just say you want to achieve it. Show me that you can do it. Show me that you can uh, do it. But sometimes what happens is they try and then they say, well, we tried, but we didn't really achieve it. Or they tried to their best of their ability, but it doesn't reach what I wanted. And it's pretty much sitting with them and brainstorming different ideas. So I always have a bank of, of, of ideas. Come to me, I'll give you a ton. I, I won't even remember it the next day, but you know, while I'm sitting with you, I'll give you a ton of ideas. Use what you want, discard what you don't. And it's, it's an opportunity that you have. Go make magic happen after that. Wow. 
let's say by a miracle your father is watching youtube or listening to a podcast and he will stumble to this podcast please look at the camera and give him a message well thank you for the support the courage the, the, the trust that you had in me and to get this far i wouldn't have done it without you so thank you that was beautiful. Uh, thanks a lot for watching. This is only part one with Mr. Tamimi. Part two is like we're gonna be going to all of the malls and having quick videos over there showing all of the products, all of the items, and showing even this tournaments that they're happening. I am already his customer and I highly recommend everyone watching this video to go check out what they're doing. These guys are brilliant. Thanks a lot Thank for coming on much. the show. Thank thanks you. a lot for watching this episode and see you on the next one.